Welcome to the I Am Adamant podcast, where we want to find truth in a universe of opinions. I'm Lisa Bevere, and joining me today is one of my favorite people in the entire universe. Speaking of universe, my husband, John Bevere. John, it's welcome. It's so good to be on this uh, <laughs> podcast with you, and I'm so honored that you've invited me to come on. Thank you know, you. there was there was some prerequisites for this. Do you I remember real- what the prerequisite was? Um, no, you didn't tell me. I had to read two chapters, and I've read now 150 pages of the book because <laughs> it is magnificent. Oh, you're so sweet. No, it's so important for this very day and hour, Lisa, and... I believe God has given you a prophetic word that is so desperately needed among millennials, among our culture, among our society, and um, I just applaud you for the hours and hours. It, it, it now makes a lot, it worth it, all the, the times that the boys and I cooked dinner oh while my you were gosh. down here um, writing away. Um, <laughs> that was probably like six times max. The, the, yeah, I think if you did a poll among our guys in the house, they'd say more like 25 times. No way. <laughs> Anyway, I'm joking. But um, Lisa, this this book um, is so important because, you know, things are changing so quickly nowadays. Yeah, it and, is. And, um, you know, I just, I just really believe that we've got to come back to a rock foundation. And he is our rock. And so I, I, I'm jumping in, and I know you need to interview well, me. Well, no, but so. I, I want to say this. As, as, a, as a wife and as a woman, I have – you have – you have endured the processes of my writing. There's a, there's a big difference between when John Bevere writes a book and the way the house feels and when Lisa Bevere writes a book and the way the house feels. I'm pretty sure one of my sons begged me to never write another book because <laughs> it was so stressful. Well, I get Alec. excited because I know all the people that get free. I mean, I'm on the road, Lisa, and so many come up to me and say, I read your wife's book. It totally set me free at this, and I get it constantly. So to me, when you're writing a book, yeah, I just kind of say within myself, look at all the lives I get to sew into while you're while you're cranking this thing out. Well, I appreciate that you have always been supportive. I remember my very first book I wrote, you were like, are you done? And I said, I don't know. (laughs) And and you had me print it out and you helped me organize the whole book. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So John Bevere writes books like a machine. He's disciplined. He is, he, he goes, he goes from one logical thought to another, just to give you a little window. When I wrote this book, I wrote 35,000 words. That's a lot of words. It's basically a book that will, that has not made it to the manuscript. I mean, just oh, 35,000. Is you coming oh, up gosh. to the bedroom one night and you collapsed on top of me and said, I actually wrote the same chapter again. Twice, twice, yes. Okay. <laughs> I would just start laughing. Now, yes. Uh, my editor, who who I absolutely love, she has the patience of a saint, said, Lisa, you are my example of how not to write a book. So she said, you always get it done, but the, the process is is shocking. So my husband, my, my boys, I'm sorry, my grandkids, it's always, it's always painful, but you have been so supportive about this book and, and it has been kind of a a journey for me when I was writing it. And I'm really honored that you actually have read a lot of this book. I know I I tease a lot. I plan on finishing it. I tease a lot about Linus arising, but you are, you've actually read this book. And And, and one thing I I do want to say, and, and this is, this caused me to be in awe um, you and I never talk about what we write about hardly at all. And, um, I looked at this and I thought, wow, this is, fits like a hand in glove with killing kryptonite 
because some of the exact same things you wrote, but I think you did a much better job, be honest okay, with you. Okay, so I wrote 35,000 words that didn't work. So when you were sleeping, I went into your laptop <laughs> and I transferred <laughs> Killing Kryptonite to my computer and called it adamant. It's so no. good. It's so good. Everybody, you need to get this book. It's so good. But anyway, I'm, so, I'm not supposed to be the interviewer. No, I know. No, yeah. hey, listen, we're married. So so what stood out to you? Um, I First of all, the whole concept that Jesus is our adamant, that here in the hearts of men, all down through the ages, they knew. Because God's put eternity in their heart. They knew there was an Adamus. They were looking for it. And yet there was no concrete evidence of it. But yet they just knew. I thought that was me, fascinating. Yeah, to me, that just shows God's put eternity in our heart. And yet it, it continued and continued. And I think the thing that I loved the most is when you talked about, well, gosh, no, I can't say that. One of the things I loved in relationship to that is Peter. How you put Peter's name together, and Peter's name means one who is bent in the direction of what they hear and listen to. But Jesus moved him from being that into a rock. Right. And you and I both know that Peter is Petros, which is small rock. And Jesus said, on this rock, massive rock, he is the rock of truth. I'll build my church. So Peter became an adamant God calls us living stones. I mean, Lisa, you tied this together so beautifully. Because what it does is it puts an image in my mind that we are literally small rocks. And we're being, we're not just rocks thrown out in a rock pile. That's the way I used to always look at that. Okay, or just thrown on top of this massive rock or, you know. We literally are being constructed into a household, you know, stones into a household which God is going to inhabit. Which tells me that when we line up with the truth, Okay, but we're not carried away by every wind of opinion that's going on in our society nowadays. We become a dwelling place where God inhabits. So if I want God inhabiting my life, my home, my ministry, my church, I want to be adamant Hmm. because that makes me part of the building that God says I'm going to inhabit. He's not going to inhabit a building that is constantly being swayed by public opinion. Mm -hmm. So, um, or without a foundation, you know, like people, people don't like to hear there's absolutes, but absolutes are our foundations. You wouldn't want to build a, you wouldn't want to build your house on something that was sliding on a mudslide or on a river or whatever. You'd want something solid and we're building our lives on something that is slipping and sliding and, and calling it a foundational truth. And everything has been kind of brought into these different questions. And, you know, when you said you want to be adamant, you know, there may be people joining us, John, that don't even know what that definition looks like. And, and, you know, for a, a most most of us, we know adamant as an adjective or an adverb, which means stubborn. It means unyielding in opinion or position. But really, adamant was first a noun before it was ever an advert or an adjective. And that noun meant invincible. And Jesus is that invincible stone, that stone that either we fall upon and, and the things Love that this. need to be broken off our life are broken or that stone that ends up grounding things into powder. And we are those people that we want to fall on that rock so that we can be whole. I mean, it's, it's counterintuitive. Everything in Christianity, if you have a need, you give. That doesn't make sense. You know, it's, it, most people say, if you have a need, you take. But we fall on a rock that we would be broken, that we could be made whole. And it doesn't make sense. But here's the thing. We are living in a day and a time where truth is in a famine right now. And, you know, you and I are, we're grandparents and I I look around, John, and I'm thinking, I'm I'm not going to have this be the inheritance for my grandkids. 
This one of the prophets the the wrote, story. the day is coming where there'll be a famine in the land, not of bread and water, but of the word of the Lord. And which People is more dangerous. People will search to and throw, which means that's going to be a very fluid society, a very mm-hmm. shakable society, a very moving society. And, um, you know, we've got to return back to our roots, back to our foundation, because let's face it, God, when we when we get in line with what God speaks, that He is truth, when we get aligned with His truth, we become successful people. We He wants us to be successful people. In other words, we're building people's lives, we're changing people's lives, we're making society better, we're making the tough places in the world better. Now we're, we're, we're enjoying life instead of constantly trying to take and feel empty in life. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think the reason truth is so fluid today, Lisa, is because people are not satisfied. They're, they're, they're completely empty. And so they keep thinking, well, if this changes, if this change, if I do this, if I do this, if I do this, I'm going to finally find the peace that I've been looking for, when in reality, it's the Adamus we're looking for. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, and I also love this idea that he's not just invincible, he's also unassailable. You know, something that is unassailable, and, and that whole concept of that rock that followed them through the wilderness, which oh, was Christ, yeah. is an unassailable refuge. And so we're in Christ, an unassailable refuge. We cannot fall outside of him. We fall in him. You know, it's not like we're we're climbing a slippery slope. We're in Christ, and he is invincible. So we in him are invincible. Right. And I love that his, his love is invincible, and his truth is invincible. John, you remember um, when we first started ministry, we were we were we really felt like we had been falsely accused of some stuff. And I don't know if you remember what this man said to us. He said, "A truth will always outlive a lie." Right. And Jesus is that truth that will outlive the lie. And we don't want to be caught up in lies because only the truth is going to remain. You know. And so love and truth are are married together and they remain. Well, you know, think of this think of this scripture. I mean, and this is found a couple places in, in the Bible that the day is coming that God says I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I'm going to shake the nations and whatever can be shaken will be removed and whatever cannot be shaken will stand. Now, you have to ask yourself, do I want to align with what will stand? when this shaking comes, or do I want to align myself with that which is going to be shaken down to the ground and be no more? And I think that's, that's, that's the overall message, I believe, of this book. You don't want to be on the wrong side of when God shakes the heaven and the earth. And he's going to do it. And, and I also think that this is a generation that really wants to know truth. But they're thinking, I what agree. is truth instead of who is truth? Yeah. And so they're looking in the wrong place for the right thing. And they're talking to the wrong people to try to have the right solutions. And so for me, this wasn't so much about saying, hey, this is what is truth and this is what is a lie. It was about positioning them in the presence of God and with a lot of scripture so that they could weigh the scriptures and say, in light of the scripture, how can what's going on in my culture, how does it fit in with that? What, what are we actually seeing here? Is this, has this all changed? Because we have this God who tells us, I am the Lord thy God who changes not. And if he changes not, what do we do with that? If he changes not, and then the second part of that verse says, so that you are not consumed. I mean, that's a little scary. He says, or else Israel, you would be consumed. If I change, you would be consumed. So we have to understand, we must hang on the promise that God is unchanging, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That is 
actually a standard. So when people say, oh, no, no, God didn't mean that anymore. Oh, how God can didn't anybody mean that anymore. say that? You know, the, the idea of the Bible only talking about certain things, and now we're in a higher level, and we have new truth, it, it, it's very frightening to me. Not, not many people study the book of Revelations, but when you read the book of Revelations, it almost feels like it's talking about some of the patterns of our days where people are talking about the deeper truths or, and, and you're like, what? And, um, you know, and these are, these are conversations people are being hit with every day. People are, uh, blurring the, the laws of, of conduct with the moral laws, you know, so like we have conduct laws, we have moral laws, we have what's holy, we have what's what's good practices. They're blurring those laws from the Old Testament. They're saying under grace, we're not under any of those, but you and I know, I one of your favorite messages, hey, you know, under the law, you had to commit adultery, but under the grace, you have to only look at a woman to lust after her. So it's a higher standard. It's not a lower standard. Higher standard because God's empowered us to live that. Absolutely. You know, man tri- proved for 4,000 years that we cannot keep the laws of God in our own right. strength. So God said, I'm going to give you a package. It's called grace. Grace will save you. Grace will forgive you. But grace, and this is where many preachers in the West stop, grace will empower you to mm-hmm. do what truth demands of us. And Lisa, a lot of people don't realize this. But there's over 500 behavioral commands in the New Testament. Wait, wait. Are you saying in the New Testament? In the New Testament. You know, I was just reading Ephesians this morning, Lisa, and I literally got my black underliner, and I saw where Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, do not lie, do not steal, do not let foolish words come out of your mouth. Coarse jesting. Do not yep. let mm-hmm. coarse jesting. Mm-hmm. Do not let ang- uh, sun go down on your wrath. And I'm like, okay, you can't tell me the New Testament doesn't have behavioral, but but the difference is, if we were living in the Old Testament, we'd have to we'd have to keep all those perfectly to earn our salvation. God provided our salvation through the power of grace, through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us on that cross. And then God says, now I'm going to show you since you couldn't do this all these years, that I can give you the ability, I can put my nature inside of you, and you now will be able to keep these commandments. So it's not like the commandments were thrown away. The commandments in order to be saved were that doesn't apply anymore. Right. But now God has guidelines of how we are to live as sons and daughters of God. You know, our sons, you know what they do? They they represent you and I so well. They do. You know, people see Addison, they see Austin, they go, "Wow, we can see you're a Bevere son." We and I believe they actually they actually are better behaved than us sometimes. I, I, Especially I when John's playing games. But you can't improve on God. So <laughs> what we people should be saying is when they see us is. Oh, you're part of the family of God. Right. Because God The way you conduct is your yourself father. in public, the way you do business, I mean, Paul, the way you do, yeah, Paul do your job. Said, the day, yeah. Imitate God yeah. as dear children. Yeah. Imitate as, as, him. As beloved children. Yes. Yes. So I, I should have asked you this earlier because I feel like I just found this out. So all the other podcasts, I've asked them, what are you adamant about? So John Bevere, what are you adamant about? Because I feel like we're hearing it right here. I'm adamant about truth. And Lisa, there's a reason for it. I was a member of a denomination for 19 years of my life, and I fully believed that we were the only ones going to heaven, and everybody else, you know, we, that we, a lot I, of I, I want to say a little better. That. We were the only ones hooked up with God, 
and everybody else, well, you know, they were just wasting their Sunday mornings getting up because they weren't hooked up with God because they weren't part of the true church. And I remember when I took, you know, I got saved. I was so excited. I gave Jesus Christ the, the lordship of my life in my sophomore year in my college fraternity at Purdue University. And there was an extension course from this major university of my denomination that had an Old Testament survey course. And I remember the teacher got up, and he was a renowned professor for this major university. And he said, there's 656 contradictions in the Bible. And I was like, what? What? And he said, 75% of our doctrine comes from men. And I was like, what? And, and I remember at that point, I raised my hand. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me that 25% of our doctrine comes from the Bible, our teaching, and 75% comes from man? He said, yeah, exactly. And he said, he said how it came. And I said, I, I didn't say much more. I just said at that point, it was a wake from up this call. moment mm-hmm. forward as a young college student, I said, I don't care what I see in the New Testament, in the Bible. I'm going to believe it whether I understand it or not. And that's the fear of the Lord. And so the fear of the Lord is not to be afraid of God, Lisa. It's to be terrified to be away from him. Now, if he's the rock, Mm -hmm. if he is the rock, I'm terrified to be off the rock in, in a world like we have today that's changing constantly, right? So when I fear God, I'm afraid to be away from his truth. And I, I made up my mind as a young college student, I'm going to believe whether I understand it or not. And you know, the fear of the Lord is the, the beginning, beginning of understanding. Yeah. So some of the most difficult scriptures in the New Testament, all of a sudden, God has opened up so much truth to me because of that very posture. That is so awesome. Yeah, and I, I just have to say, I've been married to you for, I've said it wrong recently, so I must get it right this time, 36 years. I said 32 recently. 36 years. And your passion for truth has always been constant. And uh, thank you. You know, again, I want to thank you because you've always modeled that for me, that you always wanted to be a truth teller, but you also have been a truth seeker. And a lot of times people want to tell people what truth is, but they don't necessarily want to seek it. And I've seen you really press in when maybe you didn't know how to handle something. God began to whisper something to you, but you didn't know how to handle it, to press in to really get his heart behind the truth. So you knew what it was, but you didn't know how to administer it. And I feel like this was one of my purposes with this book, John, is I wanted people to not just know what the truth was, but to know how to do both truth and love together. And, um, you know, so I, you know, I, I want to thank you for reading it. I want to thank you for joining me. I want to thank you for modeling the truth for me, living it in front of our boys being such an amazing example. And, um, this is at, this is it right now. This is our last I am adamant podcast, but that doesn't mean they can't be with us because we have conversations with John and Lisa where they can always be with us. And there's also the Messenger podcast. You can check them out at messengerinternational.org forward slash podcast. You can connect with John and I on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's at John Bevere and at Lisa Bevere. And and Lisa, they can also see you on the road. They can go to your website yep, and, and, and find, they can yep, and they find can out. See John and, then, the road. and then also I'm doing the Killing Kryptonite tour with Bethel. Yes, with Bethel. That is going to be so exciting. And John is going to sleep on a bus. Oh, and I can't even I can't even tell you how excited but I am about that. You're I'll be in nine cities in 12 days and sleeping on a bus while it drives you know from what? one major city to the next. It was one of my favorite things I've ever done. I slept so good on that bus. Hey, you know, John, through the I Am Adamant podcast, we really hope that people have been equipped. We've had some amazing guests, Preston, Shelley, We've had Craig Groeschel, Havla, Heather. Amazing. Autumn. Yes. We've had some amazing people. We want them equipped. 
We want them stirred. We encourage. We want you to remain adamant in truth and live out truth. And maybe they've only heard this one because my cute husband was on it. You can go back and listen to the other ones. Check them out online. We want you to have the right conversations with the right people in a community of faith that we as a church would start to be known for what we are for rather than what we are against. And if you want to learn more about the book, Adamant, Finding Truth in a Universe of Opinions, you can check it out at IamAdamant.com. John, would you pray over this message? Yes, I'd love to. I'd love you to close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving this message to your servant. And Lord, I'm asking that, Lord, this message would not only reach the women of the world, it would also reach the men of the world. I've been so touched by reading this message, and I'm asking that, Lord, you would literally send this forth because I know the way it's going to strengthen people's lives. I pray for every person that's listening to us. I pray that they would, in a healthy way, in a godly way, fall upon the rock and have anything in their life that would cause them to be broken, to be removed, so that they can align with truth, so they can receive the blessings that you desire to give them. Father, you are a loving Father, and you desire to bless your children. And I'm just asking, as a result of them reading this book, that they will come into a line and be much more fruitful in building the kingdom of God. I bless every single man and woman that's listening to our podcast today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining me, John. Hey, I want you to subscribe because when you subscribe, we can get everything to you right away. We'd also love to see you rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. To learn more about the book, Adamant, Finding Truth in a Universe of Opinions, check it out at IamAdamant.com.